We're on a mission from God. Wendy? So I got that going. Darling? Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing blue. Light of my life. We enjoy your films. I am a human being. I thought they smelled bad on the outside. Welcome to Vintage Video, where we're rewatching the 80s so you don't have to. We'll be reviewing every major film release of the 1980s in real time, overanalyzing what you've seen and spoiling what you haven't. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. I'm Jesse Bayless. And I'm Richard Walls. And today marks the 40th anniversary of the release of Coast to Coast on October 3rd, 1980. It was written by Stanley Weisler, directed by Joseph Sargent, and released by Paramount Pictures. The producer was Steve Tisch. He's a co-owner of the New York Giants. He is also the producer for Forrest Gump, Long Kiss Goodnight, The Postman, Snatch, The Weatherman, and The Backup Plan, which <laughs> features a credit from our own Jesse Bayless here. Yeah, I, he only came to the office once, I think, the whole time yeah, I was there. He, he was friends with the editor or something, right? Yeah. Diane Cannon and Robert Blake both got full 13-gear, 30-ton semi-truck driving instructions for this film. They actually were driving? For some I mean, of the scenes. I guess there's a couple scenes where you can tell they're actually driving, but yeah. most of that I would just to put something outside the window. You yep. don't need to be driving that big rig. Robert Blake was nominated for the Razzie for Worst Actor for his performance in this film. We start with the voice of Mr. Leverington leaving a message with a psychiatrist that his wife is contemplating divorce and he needs to prevent her taking all of his money. Already very disconcerting for a Robert Blake movie <laughs> yeah. to start with a guy on the phone <laughs> saying he needs to get rid of his wife. All right, uh, look, Fred, uh, I need your help here. Uh, well, frankly, I want to get rid of my wife. Uh, I was, oh man, please let this be Robert Blake's character. <laughs> it's not. Uh, he is not providing the voice of Mr. Leverington here. We cut to Mrs. Leverington, Matey. Matey. Her name yeah, is Matey. Yeah, it's not Maddie, it's Matey. It's yeah, spelled M A D I E, but it's pronounced like she's a fucking pirate. <laughs> <laughs> and she's well, crying in a psychiatrist. I, I, office. I guess because that's how I would spell Sadie. If it was M was an S, I would well, say right. Sadie. Sadie's a name, though, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've heard that name. I'm trying to figure out what Matey is short for. <laughs> Madeline. <laughs> Madeline. <laughs> Madison. <laughs> Dr. Froll is trying to convince her that she has had a very serious breakdown. But she insists that never happened while having a breakdown. Froll stands to move behind his desk, and when the camera tips up, we can see all the production lights above the set. Even the matte box on the camera is visible, because we watched this one on YouTube, and I believe this is some sort of unofficial unmatted scan of the film. And so in addition to all of this stuff, we'll probably see a bunch of boom mics moving forward too. I didn't actually. No, just mm. this scene it's was just pretty this, bad. This one scene in the doctor's office, you can see all these production lights that are just strung up, connected to the set ceiling. And it's like, why is this in the shot? As Mady speaks maniacally to herself, Dr. Froll hands her a bunch of medication, suggesting it may help her. It's basically a full cup of pills and she slaps it out of his hand, splashing pills all over his shag carpeting. When he moves to retrieve her paperwork from a filing cabinet, a nurse enters with a straight jacket. She doesn't want the jacket, and she starts picking the pills out of the gross carpet while Dr. Froll starts writing up a recommendation for shock therapy. Mady knows that would be terrible, so she starts spouting off about Freud for a second before bashing the doctor over the head with a clay bust of Freud, which explodes in dust across the desk. So it's clearly just like crappily it's not like it's a marble bust it's just this, this crappy clay thing it's probably hollow i mean it's pretty bad that the doctor is going along with this idea of 
you know, kind of committing her to prevent the divorce. But she is totally crazy. I think she's crazy because they're medicating her. Yeah, I, I think that's okay. the whole thing is that she's being given probably things that are giving her horrible anxiety. And apparently it takes like more than a week to for this stuff to get out of your system because she's fucking crazy for this entire movie <laughs> she reads the paperwork he was filling out while he's unconscious and it's a sanity hearing i guess there's a chance here that she would be potentially committed permanently to an asylum yeah and the important thing is that this is for the state of new york right because sanity hearings are very difficult when you cross state lines which is one of the reasons i think that they wanted to keep her in new york right mm-hmm. because, or at least out of california yeah because once you cross state lines uh you know, actually reevaluated. Correct. Uh, so if she if she goes to another state where she has no crimes or because I imagine her her time there is somewhat voluntary um, for evaluation because you can't someone can't commit you. Yeah. As an adult. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she has to be there somewhat voluntarily. And she says this later on in the movie that I do everything that I can to make him happy, which to me would mean if you want me to go to this Doctor place and for therapy, I'll, yeah. I'll do it. She gets the straight jacket out and she puts it on Froll. Not correctly, though. His arms aren't in the sleeves. No, the, t- the sleeves are tied behind his back and yeah. his arms are just coming out the bottom of the straight jacket. Yeah. Uh, but he regains consciousness here in the office and she puts a Thorazine syringe into his butt, but she doesn't push the plunger in. So it's just the needle is in his butt. And she's using this like a gun to take him as a hostage out of the building. Much like uh, Sarah Connor would later with Earl Bowen with the syringe full of window cleaner. Yeah, they definitely got that from this movie. He warns her that if there's a bubble in the syringe, it could kill him. They walk together outside the hospital and then get in her car to drive away. While she shouts at the doctor for not telling her about the sanity hearing, a police car behind them suddenly throws its lights on. And then the doctor like lunges into the driver's seat and is somehow injected with the Thorazine and falls asleep. So Mady waves at the cops as they pass her because it turns out they weren't pulling her over. Way later that night in rain, she falls asleep driving and crashes the car into a ditch on the side of the road. She begs the doctor to please wake up because they're out of gas, she says. I'm not sure what she thinks he can do about that or why she thinks that the problem is that they're out of gas when she clearly just drove it off the road i think both were a problem i think she was pulling off the side of the road she was asleep when she crashed i guess (laughs) so i mean maybe they are coincidentally out of gas and she's noticing it now or maybe she's only maybe she's out of gas because she's at such an angle yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) but uh she gets out of the car and she tries to wave down some passing traffic the first couple just blow right by her. So when the third truck comes, she tries to stay fully in front of this 18-wheeler in a rainstorm at night, yeah. and it can barely stop before it hits her. I, I have to say I'm impressed that this movie decided to shoot night for night. Yeah. <laughs> because I can't see a goddamn no. thing. No, yeah, I think a it's, terrible, a, it's a bad transfer. I don't think it's transfer. this dark in reality. But it is impossible to see anything that is going on in this movie. But the driver here is obviously incensed. He tries to drive away again around her, and she just keeps getting back in front of the grill, so he reluctantly invites her into the cab. She leaves the doctor in the crashed car on the side of the road. Suddenly, we meet a new character following the truck, and it's a repo man. Apparently, the truck driver, Charles Callahan, is behind on his payments. Dr. Froll manages to get out of the car and wanders in his straitjacket through the rain to a payphone. He dials the operator with his nose. He's trying to reach Dr. Benjamin Leverington, Mady's husband, with a collect call, and the operator tells him to just hang up and do that himself. He doesn't need to use the operator for that. But he can't, because he's dialing with his nose. Callahan tells Mady, 
that he's dropping her off at the bus station in eight miles, but she's trying to unload her whole life story on the guy. Dr. Benjamin Leverington gets a call from Dr. Froll. He tells Leverington what happened, and then Leverington tells Froll that it would be very bad if she made it to California. Leverington hangs up and phones the Sam Klinger Detective Agency. Sam answers the phone in a firing range, and Leverington is surprised when Sam is a woman. Does he not know who he's hiring? He says that she was recommended by his attorney. But apparently his attorney didn't give him the serious warning. I just got to tell you up front, this lady doesn't have a penis, so. (laughs) So she cannot do whatever you need her to. What is she, what is he hiring? She's a private detective. But he's not hiring her to kill her. No, No, he's hiring her to collect his wife and return her to this asylum in New York. Okay. We could only find this movie, like I said, on YouTube. And the next scene is extremely dark. Yeah. So I can only tell you what I think is happening here. <laughs> Mady wakes up alone in the truck and she's worried because she's alone. She starts calling out for Callahan, whose name she doesn't know yet. So she's just saying, Mr. Truck Driver, please come back, Mr. Truck Driver, and honks the horn a few times. And we see Callahan tiptoeing away from a house, presumably his wife's or ex-wife's house, with his arms overflowing with stuff. At the same time, the repo man, after the truck takes this opportunity to jump into the driver's side and shove Mady into the passenger seat. Callahan climbs up and punches the repo guy and then throws him out of the truck. And then Callahan's wife comes out of the house screaming, because she just knows some of her stuff is gone. And she starts firing a gun at the truck, freaking everybody out. And then Callahan just drives the truck away down the street as his wife continues shooting at them. He shouts for a while to himself about how crazy his wife or ex-wife is, and then he was just trying to get his own stuff back from yeah. her home. Yeah, this 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 kind of reminded me of Adventures in Babysitting. Sure. When they get into Mr. Pruitt's truck, and like he he goes to stop by his like daughter or wife's house where there's there's and there's like a shootout going on in there while they're in the cab of the truck. Yeah. But he's, he's literally getting like a TV and a vacuum cleaner or something. Mm-hmm. That's all that he had there. But yeah, he keeps talking about how crazy his wife is. That lousy bitch ain't no better either. All I'm trying to do is take my own goddamn TV set. My own goddamn vacuum cleaner out of my own goddamn house. Calls the cops on me. Tries to shoot me with my own goddamn gun. Well, it ain't gonna happen. That's I'm here to tell you it ain't gonna happen. Because I'll go back there and I'll take the whole place out. That's what I'll do. You don't mess with Charlie Callahan. No, that's the first rule. Nobody messes with Charlie ass Callahan. Smoke that. Like, is that your middle name? (laughs) That's weird. Uh, Mady tells him that she has to pee, and this is the first of several moments of the film that weirdly remind me of Dumb and Dumber. And I will mention them as we get to them. There are five total. Okay. (laughs) But we just left a shootout, and they're like 400 feet down the road, and she's Mm -hmm. like, I gotta pee. I have to go to the bathroom. Which reminds me of the scene from Dumb and Dumber when he says he has to go pee immediately after they ripped off Seabass and the boys at the diner. I know this isn't the best time, but when you get a chance to pull over, yeah. I pee. Are you crazy? I'm not, I'm not pulling over now. For whatever reason, he immediately pulls over and it's like, yeah, sure, go ahead and pee. And then he starts to pull away before she could possibly have started peeing. So she runs after the truck and when he eventually gives up and stops for her, she thanks him profusely again, even though... For sure, she still has to pee. <laughs> and he just tried to ditch her in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, and not only that, like, she's calling him an angel, like, for stopping. Like, oh, you angel, you're an angel. And he's I like, knew no. you were an angel. You're a saint. No, you're not. You 
you're an asshole who tried to leave me and then I guess had a change of heart. That does not make you an angel or a saint. They get to a gas station in Chili Cut where Callahan was supposed to pick up his next load. Mady tells him that she has money and she could pay him for a ride to California. When Callahan calls home base to check in, they tell him that they gave away his load because his wife called the police on him and his truck is getting repossessed. He takes Mady up on the offer to pay for a ride and she gives him a number to call her bank at and check on the money. She heads to a nearby diner while he phones the bank and she's overloading on an expensive breakfast when Callahan enters and tries to take her boots off of her feet while she's sitting there. Well, those are his boots. Oh, he, are they? That he lent her. Oh, I didn't even remember that part. But he's trying to take the boots back because he just wants to get out of there, I guess. I realize that she just got out of a hospital and she doesn't, like she's saying she doesn't like the food that they gave her there. But this is, she eats so much in this film. It's excessive how many like plates are in front of her at this diner. And, yeah. And the bill is like $15, which is a lot of dollars in 1980. For one person. Yeah. For one person. And she's meal. also had like four cups of coffee too. Yeah. She's already so hyper and she's drinking four more cups of coffee. A fellow diner customer grabs Callahan to tell him not to treat people so roughly, and Callahan tries to punch the guy in the gut, but the guy doesn't react at all. The customer is dressed exactly like Seabass from Dumb and Dumber, and there's nothing you could do to convince me that the Farrelly's didn't base his costume on this person in particular. (laughs) He's 100% wearing the same vest and hat, and and it's in a diner, and he's picking a fight with the lead actor. It's Seabass, basically. Mady tries to steal Callahan's truck, And so he runs outside to jump on the hood. She's fucking up the gears because she doesn't know how to drive this truck. And she actually screws it up so badly while she's still in the parking lot that she ruined it. He can't even get the truck started now. So they take it to a shop and the shop says it's going to cost hundreds to fix. While Callahan is talking to the mechanic, Mady somehow works out a deal with a couple of guys that have a trailer full of cows they need driven to California. And they offer to pay for the load up front so Callahan can get his truck fixed. He tries to leave her there alone again, and she jumps on the back of the truck as he pulls out onto the road. Callahan hears on the CB that people are looking for Mady and that there's a reward being offered for her location, which I feel like as soon as you hear this, you turn around and go back to the place where you left her and collect her. But instead, he's just like driving along like, huh, interesting, and keeps driving down the road while she's trying to climb over all these cows in the back on on this wood slat trailer. And uh, she's like falling in with the cows and then mm-hmm. trying to climb back out. And then suddenly she's hanging over the side. I figured she was going to just like hunker down in the corner and ride it out until he stopped next time. Like yeah. not try to like climb along the side and Indiana Jones is back into the cab. Yeah, I don't know what she's doing. But she ends up hanging off the side of the truck on the freeway and it's riling up all the animals. So they're starting to run back and forth in their little cages and it's shaking the truck enough that Callahan has to pull the truck over and he finds her hanging off the slats. He tells her to clean up in the back seat because she smells like cow shit now. And then we cut to Sam Klinger, the detective, bribing the gas station attendant for a lead on where Mady is headed. Later, Callahan speaks on the phone with the people offering the reward and basically says that he has her and he's, and he's going to bring her to wherever they want her. When he gets back to the truck... Mady has collected a handful of dead flowers as a gift, and he throws them out of the truck because they're full of bugs. They're not even flowers. They're weeds that she picked on the side of the road. And she says, oh, I didn't know. I thought they'd just brighten up the place. So he goes and picks them up again and puts them back in the truck. She didn't even say, can you get them back? Like, he just inferred how disappointed she was. Yeah. 
He They're was still like, full of bugs. But but she even app. admitted like, oh, I didn't know they had bugs. If I'd known that, I never would have brought them in the car. And then he's like, cool, I'll go get them and bring them back in the car. Since you were just trying to be nice and you didn't know that that would make both of our lives shittier. I'll go help you do that wrong. Somehow, one of the cows starts annoying Callahan and then he starts jabbing it with a cattle prod. Mady is angry that he's hurting the cows and so she takes it away and starts zapping him with it while he's climbing up over the slats. I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. Sure. I, the one that he's zapping is literally just sitting there. Well, that was yeah, that was what was bothering me. And I realized that he's trying to, he get it up on its that feet. he's trying yeah. to help it get on its feet. But like, I don't think that zapping it is the best way to get a cow to stand up. I don't think so either. Especially if it's laying down for a reason. Right. But she also says that she saw people that were zapped in the asylum, presumably. Yeah. And so she's especially sensitive to people being electrocuted. And so that was why it was bothering her. That night, they try to sleep in the truck, but Madius being obnoxious again, without her even saying anything, Callahan stupidly offers to sleep outside because he's stupid. I thought and he I keeps missed something. No, she never says, get out of the car. She just says, I can't sleep. She's That's saying, all she says. Yeah, she's saying she's having trouble sleeping, but I didn't understand why he inferred that meant he had to leave. But apparently that is what she wanted because mm-hmm. when he says, fine, I'll go outside, and she's like, thank you so much. And it's like, why did you... Why would you ever agree to go sleep out in the weeds on the side of the road yeah. when there's two beds in this car? Yeah. Like, it's her problem that she drank eight cups of coffee for breakfast <laughs> and she can't sleep now. But he's been awake for three days and he's offering to sleep out in the grass. Like, he should have been like, oh, I'm sorry if this is difficult. You go outside and I'll drive away. Let me sleep on the roof of the cab. You don't need to sleep on the ground. There's a whole bunch of hay in the back. Go sleep yeah, at the sleep cows. Sleep at the cows. <laughs> it worked in uh, Smokey and the Bandit 2. They slept with that elephant. Yeah. The repo guy creeps up to the sleeping Callahan on the side of the road and pointlessly knocks out the already unconscious man. Then he climbs into the truck and Mady bashes this guy over the head with the fire extinguisher before going to wake up Callahan to drive away after four minutes of sleep. (laughs) And Callahan is like, why did you hit me? Because he thinks that she's the reason that he has like a lump on his head. He doesn't realize the repo guy did it. Mm. And she's like, no, I didn't. I didn't do that. This guy did it. And he's like, oh, shit. Like... She's like, did I kill him? I think I killed him. <laughs> He's dead, isn't he? I'll be damned. Oh, Callahan, is he dead? Well, I'll be damned. You did that? No, no, I mean, he's not dead. I'll be damned. <laughs> and then they get back in the car and drive away. The next day, passing through town, out of nowhere, Callahan thinks that they should buy Mady a bunch of clothes. So he drops her off at a dress shop, and he says, I just got to take care of some local business. I'll be right back. And he meets with Greg and Sam, now there's two detectives that are following uh, the girl. I don't well, know why there's two of them. I think Greg is Sam's assistant. Yeah, it's her, it's her muscle. Has he been no. mentioned no. or seen in no. any shot so far? No. There's no reason it couldn't have just been one person. This could have been the Gloria of this movie. Yeah. Just a lady who can take care of business. Yeah. But the implication is that, no, a woman couldn't do this by herself. So if you're hiring her as a detective, you're actually paying two detectives. It's weird. And, and I thought that this was going to go... I thought that this character was going to go differently because she's telling him that she needs to be back in the institution. And when Charlie says, I was worried about who would be picking her up. I didn't know it was going to be someone like you. And she says, but you feel more comfortable than it is. So it's like, cause it's a woman. Yeah. I was like, I don't want to hand her over to some strange guy. Yeah. And like, I feel much more better, much more better. Yeah. I feel better right. about it that it's a woman taking her in. Yeah. I was like, okay. And I thought for sure that this character was not going to realize what she's doing 
that she was hired to find some girl and she's bringing him back. And I thought later on there was going to be this big reveal for her that, oh, her husband wants to kill her? I didn't want to be a part of that. Right. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that's the case, though. I think he just wants to have her permanently committed. Uh, but either way, yeah. she she would discover that it was not That she's not totally, even crazy. That she's yeah. being right, medicated. Right. That, that it wasn't in total earnest that he wanted to just have his wife back because it, right. was a, it was a danger to herself and others. But that doesn't happen. And so I was really disappointed because I really wanted to like this character. Yeah. I, they played this character completely wrong in every yeah. aspect of the movie. Because they set her up as such a badass. She's in the right. firing range when he calls her. Right. And and not only that, this is an extremely rich man who has been recommended from the best doctor, you know, the, the best possible person to come get your wife back and bring her back here. So they set her up as being the best of the best. Mm-hmm. And from every point on in this movie, she does not demonstrate being the best of the yeah. best firstly here by needing an assistant right to apprehend one woman yeah who's being handed over willingly by a guy who already basically captured her Mady picks out a dress in the shop and she cuts the sleeves off right there in the store lady you just bought yourself a dress callahan asks if he can bring her out of the shop for the detectives but then he actually leads her out the back door and sneaks her into the truck because he's, again, having a change of heart. He doesn't want to turn her in because he's getting a bad feeling about these detective characters. But driving away in a semi is not a sneaky way to yeah. get away. Right, which is why <laughs> the first thing he does is he puts it in reverse and he crashes into not only the detective's vehicle, but the repo man's vehicle with the detective's vehicle. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's destroying all the vehicles that were chasing them. Later, they pull into a farm to hide and water their cows, but somehow the Rebo guy and the detectives are both here. Yeah. Like, before them, even though they should have had to deal with the car accident they were both just in. And how do they know where they were going? Yeah, but somehow they got here, and Callahan looses one of the bulls that chases the Rebo guy down a, I don't know, a trail in the, at the farm, and he starts fighting with the male detective while Sam starts fighting with Mady. There's a, a kind of a fun running gag where Charlie Callahan is always trying to punch someone out and everyone's it just never works. Everyone's just totally immune to his punches. Yeah. And he always just goes, ah, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Every time he doesn't get a good one. The only the only punch he actually lands is on a cow. <laughs> no, it's not Callahan. That does. Yeah. Oh, that was the other one? Yeah, it's the, okay. it's, the, it's the detective that he's fighting with. But yeah, the guy detective just punches a cow out for no reason yeah. other than like as a feat of strength. Yeah, it was like Mongo. Yeah. Like, you can't bark that animal here. I backed that scene up several times because it really just honestly looked like he punches the hell out of that cow. I think it's a tranked cow that they just fake punch toward and then drop on the ground. But who knows? Maybe they just punched a cow. Uh, the bull comes back and throws Callahan over a fence before they can pull away from the farm. Oh, I skipped uh, the how the fight ends between Mady and Sam. But basically just Mady and Sam f- struggle with each other. They wrestle in a pig, pig pen, pen. Yeah. and then Mady leaves. And it yeah. just, again, this super bothers me because they set this character up to be this badass woman detective who's supposed to be the best of the best, and she's totally incompetent in this fighting scene. Yeah. You know, just losing against a crazy girl and rolling around with the farm animals, totally unable yeah. to do her job. Yeah, and then Mady just gets back in the truck and they all drive away. Injured. Minus one cow. Right, minus the one cow that he dumped out because it throws Callahan back over the fence towards the truck. Yeah, cause, but it jumps back into the truck. And I was like, oh, okay. So. And then. <laughs> and then it, but then it jumps back again. out. <laughs> and they drive off with the cattle door just wide open on the truck. Yeah. 
Injured, Callahan teaches Mady how to drive the truck without destroying it. She keeps looking away from the windshield to mess with the gears, all 13 of them. They're implying that he got horns in the butt. Oh, no, I think he got just hit in, like, the pelvis and thrown over a fence. Okay. I I thought they were implying that that bull, like, stabbed him or something. I don't know. It seemed like he was holding his gut when he was getting back. I thought he was holding his balls. No, he was definitely holding his balls. I just wasn't sure what the injury was. Okay. Not clear. Dr. Leverington gets a call from the detectives. They lost this girl, and they just flat out give up. (laughs) They're all bandaged up, and they're like, hey, yeah, we, we had her for a second, and we lost her, so... You better come get her yourself. Well, and she calls him boss. It's yeah. Like, we lost we lost the girl boss. It's like you aren't Yeah, no, you're an independent contract. contractor. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, second of all, I'm not your boss because I'm not paying you anything because yeah. you, you didn't, didn't do, do the, the job. job. <laughs> but uh, they tell him about the repo guy and they say, "Yeah, this repo guy is real mad. He's probably just going to kill her, so you should get get out here and do this yourself. You doctor who hired a professional." to apprehend your wife you should come out here and collect her yourself um first of all no i'm a doctor i have more important things to be doing here in california and two i paid you a lot of money presumably to do this for me why are you stopping now (laughs) also like get her yourself if she's coming to me right then i won't have to get her it also seems out of nowhere that suddenly the repo man is trying to murder her yeah because really all he was trying to do was get the truck back he doesn't care about Mady. Mady's done nothing to him. Well, she hit her with a fire extinguisher. And and they backed the truck. I guess that was Callahan that backed the truck up into this car. But I don't think that she, I think she was, she was um, you know, using hyperbole when right. she said, oh, he's going to kill her. And that was just what sparked a neat idea in his head. I don't think he actually meant that he was going to kill her. Yeah, but I don't think Leverington's new plan is like, oh, I'm going to kill her. I think he was like, I'm just going to let this repo guy kill her if that's what you think is the actual threat here. I always thought the plan was to kill her eventually. <laughs> no, like I don't think so. I think that rich people in the 80s could just pay for their wife to be committed forever mm. and then you get to keep your money and marry the no next divorce. person. I mean, maybe that was the plan, but I, he doesn't seem like that kind of person until she says, oh, he's going to, he's, you better come here or he's going to take care of her permanently. He's like, oh, permanently. Like it's the first time he's ever considered her dying as a solution. Repo man's car overheats and when he gets out, he leaves it in neutral. So it just rolls away down the road. Callahan and Mady pull over to take care of the animals. Callahan invites Mady on a horse ride with him. Later, they pull over the truck and make a snowman on the side of the road and collapse in the snow next to the snowman. Here's Dumb and Dumber moment number three mm-hmm. is the two of them rolling around in the snow next to a snowman. And then she has an affair with him. Yeah. they start, she's still married. <laughs> they start kissing and eventually have sex. He might be married. I don't know. This, yeah, they're having sex under this blanket in the snow. And Mady is so excited by the snow that she runs out to make a snow angel and when callahan follows her he drops all this money that he got for turning her in in the snow and the cash in the snow reminds me of dumb and dumber when they throw the briefcase full of cash in the snow callahan admits everything to her that he tried to turn her in for money before eventually he admits you know i had a change of heart and i ushered you away i saved you basically after i endangered you she runs away and steals his truck and so callahan goes through the snow collecting the rest of the cash and gets back to the road too late to stop her so she pulls away in his truck and leaves him stranded here and he hitches a ride with a motorcycle in the snow the fifth and i think final dumb and dumber image of the film where he's riding on the back of this 
tiny motorcycle through this snowy area. The motorcycle catches up with the truck the next day, and he, <laughs> the guy driving it, instructs Callahan to just jump up onto the truck to get her back. Uh, instead of, like, trying to pull her over at all or just following her to the next place she stops, he's like, get on the truck now from here. That's yeah. what I would do. Are we, are we assuming that she stopped for gas, like, on occasion? Because I don't think that she could go this distance yeah without it yeah it doesn't make sense but the motorcycle pulls up alongside like a station wagon and then callahan jumps off onto the hood of a car and then climbs up the side of the truck and is doing basically the same stunt that she was doing earlier Um, but suddenly they're in beverly hills yeah but yeah while he's hanging on the back of this thing they're they're on the freeway Mm -hmm. in like the middle of the desert and then they're immediately crashing through the gates of her house Mm mm-hmm um which i don't think you could even get an 18 wheeler down the roads into beverly hills yeah not not on some of those really narrow roads no but uh they crash through the gates and then uh, her husband stands up and he's like what are you doing lady because he doesn't realize it's his wife yet on in this truck some lady is driving yeah. a truck through your yard yeah and, and then through here. your house <laughs> oh yeah yeah maybe flat out commits several attempted murders yes I don't know how she didn't kill somebody going through this house. Because there's a full staff inside. But she plows this truck right into their house. And uh, the whole thing is just collapsing around the truck. (laughs) I did like, though, when when her husband follows her into the house. And he's like, oh, my God, what the hell are you doing? And she's like, I'm all right. I'm okay. (laughs) That's what he's worried about. But the guy goes crazy. And uh, as he's moving through the wreckage of the house, he tries to strangle her. And she says, you're overreacting. Yeah. <laughs> and before he tries to kill her, he's saying something along the lines of, this is everything I have. This is my whole life. And it's like, no, it's not. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. if you're if you're a crazy rich person with a house in Beverly Hills, you have money elsewhere. It's not all in this one and property. this is all insured, I'm yeah. sure. But uh, while he's trying to strangle her, Callahan shows up and knocks the guy out. And he's like shocked that it worked this time (laughs) he like looks down at his arm oh my god did you see that uh the cops arrive and they ask who owns the truck and benjamin the husband who got punched basically into a hole in the floor tries to speak up from inside this hole and then callahan shoves the cop into the hole and then runs away with maddie as the house is collapsing since it's still actively breaking apart and like raining debris all over them i'm pretty sure that this would be considered a straight up murder attempt yeah that he's like trying to abandon them in this house as it falls apart i think both of them at this point should be in an asylum right what mm-hmm. they've just done callahan and Mady run down the sidewalk away from the home they destroyed and they kiss each other and when the repo man notices them he slams on his brakes and backs up and he gets rear-ended hard by a cop and then callahan tells the repo man uh the keys are in the truck george <laughs> and the truck's in the living room and that's the end of our film the end yeah coast to coast folks it's real bad i you know what i i feel like had this movie been made five years later with kurt russell and goldie hahn yes yeah people i, I cared about it would have been great i would have loved this film it basically yes. was it was yeah. all overboard yes. yeah it, but but just like their chemistry and their timing mm-hmm. and and their just like you know uh, ro- your feelings about robert blake watching this movie is just like i mean I, murder aside <laughs> he's also a dud of a person and he's not compelling I might, I might be able to get past robert blake 
But Diane Cannon in this movie, for me, is so incredibly obnoxious. I cannot yeah. care about her character at all. And you need to care about her character in order to care about the outcome of this movie. Yeah. But both of them are doing dumb things that make me like them less the whole time. Like, Robert Blake, I think, is supposed to be the straight man in this situation. And you're supposed to be like, well, yeah, I would do exactly what he did. And things are still going wrong for him. And it's like, no, I wouldn't put these shitty weeds back in the car. I wouldn't <laughs> offer to sleep outside when she never even asked for it. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't slept for three days. Yeah. Like, he's just doing dumb things. And he keeps stopping and letting her back in the car. Yeah. Even though, as far as he knows, she's literally, like, like dangerously psychotic. Mm-hmm. Which is what the report said. Yeah, and she the CB radio said she could be armed. Yeah. yeah, it's like clearly he knows at this point that she doesn't have a gun, but he doesn't know if she gets a hold of a knife or if he has a gun in the car that she's just going to kill him with it while he's sleeping. Yeah. Well, she also said that she's planning on shooting her husband. And that she's not joking. And she and he does take the knife away from her at, when she's like cutting up an apple. So he acknowledges that this is a potential danger. Yeah. But he does so many dumb things that I don't care about him anymore. And I don't feel like he's doing the right thing. I also don't understand the the need for this woman to cling to him when, you know, the several times that he tries to drive away and it's like, she can hitch a ride with somebody else. There's no reason she has to get to California yeah. on this truck. Yeah. But She's she keeps on climbing way. on the outside of it. It's like, you're going to die yeah. if you do that. In fact, you'll probably be less findable if you stopped getting in the same big rig with yeah. a bunch of cows and a dude. Who you know that- four other people are already following around. Yes. Yes. Our director here was Joseph Sargent. He directed Jaws 4, The Revenge. Yeah. Shocker. Yeah, he did. Uh, I'll take that movie over this one, though. Yeah. <laughs> and the rest of them are actually even better than that. Taking of Pelham 1, 2, 3. Nice. Same director. Like did this movie. movie. Uh, Colossus, The Forbin Project. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And White Lightning. <laughs> so he's done good things. Just He just didn't this time. Writer Stanley Weiser. This was his first writing credit. What? He also wrote Wall Street and W, which I think are both Oliver Stone films. Correct, yeah. Uh, Diane Cannon was Mady Leverington. Uh, she's Julia Farnsworth in Heaven Can Wait. She's Alice in Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice. She was Willie Nelson's wife earlier this year in Honeysuckle Rose, and she was briefly married to Cary Grant in the late 60s. Robert Blake was Charles Callahan. As a child, he played one of the kids, Mickey, on Our Gang, also known as the Little Rascals. Uh, he played Mystery Man in Lost Highway. He was Beretta <laughs> on Beretta. He was John Wintergreen in Electroglide in Blue. He's Perry in In Cold Blood. And he was arrested and charged with solicitation of murder in the shooting death of his wife, Bonnie Lee Bakley, but was eventually acquitted of all charges, though stunt coordinator Gary McClarty, who we discussed earlier this year for his work on Blues Brothers, testified against Blake, revealing that Blake had approached him in the past offering a price to kill Bakley. So he he approached more than one person to kill his wife. One of them did it, and he was acquitted of the crime. I ate at the restaurant where she died. Yeah, <laughs> that day. Parked in front of it. <laughs> I, it's crazy to me. She was killed in the car outside of the restaurant, and what he says happened was we went out to eat. We mm-hmm. had dinner. Mm-hmm. We went back to the car. I, I got her into the car. She got seatbelted. I forgot my gun, right. so I went back into the restaurant <laughs> to get my gun, and when I came back, she was dead. And the gun that he went back into the restaurant to get was not the murder weapon, so clearly he just said, she'll be in this car at this time, and come and kill her then. I forgot Allegedly. my gun. Yeah. See? Oh. I didn't have my gun with me. 
How could I kill someone if I forgot my gun that I brought for whatever reason? So this was one of those moments, like when I first moved to Los Angeles, that um, because I I knew the story, yeah. But um, when when I was going out and about on on errands for my first job, I I parked in front of this restaurant to go pick something else up, um, like nearby, and I was like, wait, this is the restaurant from the Robert Blake like whole story <laughs> thing, mm-hmm. and and I realized that I'm just like. You know, one of those famous one of those famous things that happen is just like a normal little restaurant on yeah. a normal little street in yeah. a normal little part of town, and and like it's not, it's not all these weird famous stuff that you think of. You know, in Los Angeles, it's it's all just where people live and eat and work. And yeah, I also like to imagine like the end of dinner that night. Like they're they're oh do you think you can finish that ice cream? I'll, I'll help you finish it or whatever. And they're like counting out the tips and everything, and you have like you know, a empty water cup, a bowl of melted ice cream, and just a handgun sitting on the table. It's like, why was your gun out mm-hmm. that you left it at the restaurant? Didn't he say he left it in the bathroom too? Like you took your I don't gun know. to the bathroom and like left it there. I don't know about that. It's like when you leave your cell phone next to the yeah. toilet. He's like, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm such an idiot. <laughs> I always leave it on top of the reservoir when I take a shit. <laughs> in case someone tries to Michael Corleone me. Um... Quinn K. Redecker played Benjamin Leverington. He was Ward in Ordinary People earlier this year. Uh, he played a pilot in Where the Buffalo Roam, and he wrote Deer Hunter. Yeah. The husband wrote Deer Hunter. Michael Lerner was Dr. Frederick Froll. He plays Jack Lipnick in Barton Fink. He's Fulton in Elf. He's Mayor Ebert in Godzilla. He's in a lot of stuff. He's in the MacGyver pilot. Maxine Stewart was Sam Klinger. She's Aunt Betty in Private Benjamin later this year. She's Janet Tyler, the girl wrapped in bandages in the Twilight Zone Eye of the Beholder episode. Ah. William Lucking played Jules. Who is Jules? The guy at the gas station? No, Jules is the repo man. Is the repo man. Oh, okay. Uh, he was the highway patrolman in the Ninth Configuration. He played Jim Walker in Mountain Men. And he was a, he's a recruiter in Stripes. And he plays Byron Metcalf in Red Dragon. Mae Williams played the waitress at the truck stop. She was the supermarket cashier in Foxes earlier this year. Hap Lawrence played the mechanic. Uh, he's a busy man this year. He played the Scarecrow in the Loose Shoes Wizard of Oz parody. <laughs> he was Sergeant Major in The Nude Bomb. He was the blind man in Holy Moses. He plays a nudist in Loving Couples later this year and an endocrinology fellow in Altered States later this year. Yeah, I can't but wait to for be Altered fair, States. Loose Shoes was recorded several years before that came out. So. Yeah, Loose Shoes <laughs> was made in 77, I yeah. think. Uh, Darwin Jostin played Drunken Trucker Number 2. He plays Napoleon Wilson in Assault on Precinct 13. He's Dr. Fibes or Fibs in The Fog, and he plays Paul in Eraserhead. Dick Durock played Gregory. He's the jump master in Nude Bomb earlier this year. That's the guy who is leading everyone to jump out of the plane. Uh, he's Joe Casey in Any Which Way You Can, which we'll have later this year. And he also played Swamp Thing in yeah. 72 episodes of Swamp Thing. What, what is Swamp he, Thing? Swamp Thing. What is Swamp Thing? I mean, I he guess... He makes your heart sing. No, that's... <laughs> that's wild. <laughs> I guess I could assume what Swamp Thing is, but I've never heard of it. You've uh, seen him before, Yeah, you've sure. definitely yeah. seen Swamp Thing. He had a cartoon show. He's just covered in vines and shit. Yeah. Is, is he DC or Marvel? He's I, DC, because yeah. they, they just had a Swamp Thing TV show reboot that was going to be on their DC streaming service that got canceled before they even finished shooting the first season. 
excellent. It's, it was a huge bummer for everybody involved because as far as they knew, things were going great and they just pulled the plug on it out of nowhere. Like they'd heard only good things from the studio and then they just like, nope, never mind, it's done. Uh, after looking up this character, I, he does not look... You know Swamp no, Thing. No. I, I promise. I do not recognize him You were whatsoever. a regular character on the show. <laughs> <clears throat> Cassandra Peterson played a dinner party guest. Woo! I assume in the last scene where they're driving the truck through the backyard. She's Elvira from Elvira stuff. All, yeah. the, all the Elvira stuff. She's also Biker Mama in the Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Uh, we had her earlier this year as an actress on the Universal lot in Cheech and Chong's next movie. Uh, that's everybody I had for cast and crew. Uh, I wanted to talk about uh, one of the producers. Sure. Uh, John Avnet. John Avnet. That uh, sounds familiar. Producer. Uh, this is one of his earlier producing credits, uh, but he's produced things such as, produced and directed Fried Green Tomatoes, produced things like Risky Business, Black Swan. Is, was he one of the people named in that lawsuit by the two interns that were like, we were interns and they made us do copies and stuff. They didn't let us work on Black Swan in any real way. When did uh, you want to direct it? It's possible. But yeah, he's, and he's got a long, long list of credits. The Mighty Ducks. But as a director, a lot of TV stuff. Uh, but like I said, Fried Green Tomatoes, uh, Up Close and Personal. Okay. 88 Minutes. Uh, yeah, so he's, he's like, this is one of his earliest producing credits. Interesting. So he did better stuff. He got better. Uh, yeah. I don't care for this movie. Um, I think we've made it pretty clear that we don't like the the energy of either of the lead characters and that it feels like they did everything in the wrongest way. It also doesn't make sense that if we're supposed to believe that the rubber blade character is like a responsible trucker, that he would be so far behind on his payments and that he's not getting the... It's like he said he hasn't slept in three days. Clearly he's working a lot. Mm -hmm. Clearly he knows how to drive the truck properly and yet he's going to lose it because he can't keep up the payments on it. Yeah. Um, I mean, so, I think he blamed some of the stuff on his divorce or maybe being split up. I, I, it's, it's not a compelling story. No. Even with these, with without these actors, it's not a super compelling story. Yeah. I, I feel like, again, like I had mentioned with uh, the Kurt Russell, Goldie Hawn adaptation of this in my mind yeah um (laughs) you could refine it because it's like you know it's a it's a space balls it happened one night kind of kind of story almost where it's just like got to get the girl to the thing without her knowing the real reason that we're getting the girl to the thing yeah Uh, she's all that undertone yeah uh and then you know because then there's the big fall in love and the big reveal that oh you were this person this whole time. I think that's the other problem is that there's there doesn't feel like there's a legitimate chemistry between no. these two characters. No, not at all. Up or down, Richard? It's a down. Yeah. Uh, I I think even if this had a, a good quality transfer, yeah, where it's could have been 4K and 3D, yeah, I still would have not enjoyed <laughs> and, it. And and that one minute of audio where it's like, no, I still hear audio. It's just not them. <laughs> like no, that's it's, weird it's all it's everything else they're talking but i can't hear them but just i hear the truck cuts out i hear the truck and i hear the background noises that's mm. weird yeah it's a down yep down for me too letterbox richard um i have this at number 80 that's, uh, that's really high yeah it's pretty generous uh i i i said like in my mind i was like i really want to like this movie in some way it's weird. I, 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 I kept trying to like it all mm-hmm. the whole time I was watching it. Um, again, just picturing other people like, oh, this could have been so much better if 
you didn't have all those attempted murders at the end or something. Uh, I think your rewrite put it in a much more generous spot yeah. than it deserved. You're still imagining different <laughs> actors in the movie. Yeah. Like, this was pretty good. Uh, but I have it below Kidnapping of a President and above Stardust Memories. Okay. Ouch. <laughs> Just what do you think? I mean, I'm not a Woody Allen fan, but ouch. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have it at 116. 116? Okay. Wow. <laughs> Out of it's, 119. It's fourth from the bottom. <laughs> it is above Gorp because they didn't just scream the whole time, but they did for a lot of it. Yes, they did. Which is just one of my pet peeves in movies. If you're just going to have your character scream, I'm going to put you at the bottom yeah, of my list. <laughs> I think Diane Cannon says the word Callahan about 50 times too many. In this Doesn't movie. just say it. Callahan. Screams it. Callahan. Every scene. Yeah. Callahan. Uh, so it's above Gorp, just barely, and uh, below the octagon. All right. Well, I have it also directly above Gorp. For me, it's 10th from the bottom. Or 9th from the bottom. No, 10th from the bottom. It's in 110th place out of 119. Uh, so it's just below the Baltimore bullet and just above Gorp. But yeah, I uh, I don't care about these people. It didn't make me as mad as Gorp did. Right. But at least Baltimore bullet had actors who I conceivably care about in it. Yeah. Whereas I do not care about Robert Blake. And Diane Cannon was perfectly serviceable in her role in Honeysuckle Rose. I think she was great in that movie. In this movie, she's not a Lucille Ball type. And it doesn't make sense to play her that way. Mm-hmm. It's just frustrating to watch. And uh, I did not like it. I think that's everything for this one. If you have any thoughts you'd like to share with us, we are Vintage Video Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd, where, as I've said before, you can find each of our full movie rankings for the year. We can also be found at VintageVideoPodcast.com. Please consider rating us on iTunes to help people find the show. And if you take the time to leave us a review, we will thank you personally in an upcoming episode. If you're feeling especially generous, you can also support the show through Patreon.com slash VintageVideoPodcast. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time when we'll be discussing The First Deadly Sin which IMDb describes like so. A police inspector nearing retirement tracks a serial killer who is terrorizing New York. We leave you now with a trailer for The First Deadly Sin. The act of dying is the ultimate act of surrendering. In the city, there's a man loose who kills. And a woman cries to live. That lady in there is my wife. She's my whole world. Do you understand that? The First Deadly Sin. Starring Frank Sinatra and Faye Dunaway. The first deadly sin from Filmways Pictures, rated R.